Welcome to a holly jolly episode of Unprofessional. Thank you so much for joining us on Christmas. I am, as always, Lex Friedman, and I am joined by perhaps the real Santa Claus, Dave Whiskus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and our, our guest today is pretty much... You know, there are two guests one thinks of when it's time to book the Christmas episode of your podcast. Uh, the Jesus said no. Uh, he was busy. I don't His know if he's also delivering presents or what. They were. They were like, son of God, Christmas Day, he's busy. It's his birthday. He's got a whole celebration going. But so we got the next best thing to Jesus, and that is Jay Graves. Hello, Jay. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Jay. I'm glad I could fill in for Jesus when you guys are in a pinch. You know, we uh, we were worried we were going to get our hands dirty finding a replacement for Jesus, but we stayed pretty immaculate. Uh, I regret saying that. Uh, <laughs> I regret you saying that. But so we should, Jay, tell tell the people, tell the unprofessional audience who are, you know, shirking their family duties on Christmas so that they can listen to us. Tell, tell them who you are. Well, I'm known for a wide variety of things. Uh, I'm the face of the slanket, which I know everyone loves. The slanket? <laughs> is that the original sleeved blanket? The original sleeved blanket. When I'm not jet-setting around the world modeling slankets on sunny beaches, I am the CTO of Double Encore, and I'm also Dave's neighbor. That's true. <laughs> he lives right next door to me. <laughs> now, when you say you were the, the face of the slanket, what does that really mean? Well, there's not much else you can see. <laughs> when the slanket does photo shoots and they need new patterns to promote on their website, then they call me to be the male model of the slanket. And since they don't see my body, then yes, you see my face. You're, you're the face and the hands of the slanket. Sometimes I have really big thumbs. <laughs> How do you get that gig? I just happen to be close friends with the people that invented the slanket. I was there for a lot of the slanket's inception. Do they share any of their untold slanket millions with you since you're the model? I am awash in free slankets. Okay, that counts. That's, yeah. That'll be currency. Are you wearing a slanket right now, Jay? I am. It is the chocolate brown. Mm, it's nice. very nice. It's not scratch and sniff by any chance, is it? No, and it doesn't melt on your body either. Dave, what slanket are you wearing right now? I'm wearing my Walk the Slank Skull and Crossbones slanket. I believe I am modeling that one on the website. Show notes. <laughs> uh I have my maroon slanket on, and there's also a kid's green slanket in here, because when I brought in the maroon slanket earlier today, my six-year-old daughter said you should take an extra one and brought in a green one for kids as well. You know, this whole product placement on a podcast thing, it uh, it, it gets funnier to me as time goes on. It's pretty innovative. But man, the original sleeve blanket, none of this, you know, knockoff snuggy bullshit the kind that people just use for sex and whatnot. This is the real Slanket deal. Yes, when I heard your first Slanket podcast, I was a little dismayed. I had some bones to pick with the Lex Friedman about using actual Slankets to do your field testing and then naming your book the <laughs> Snuggy Sutra. Uh, I feel like he redeemed himself, though. It, that was my shame. But I did not go to the Snuggy people and say, hey, do you want to sponsor Unprofessional? No. We went straight to Slanket. I'm grabbing my copy of the Snuggy Sutra right now. But uh, but no, I mean, you're right. It was a mistake that we road tested with the Slanket when the book was called the Snuggy Sutra. It's a mistake. I'm, I'm literally flipping open now to the the fact section of the book. Not all books have facts, but they should. And here it is on page 120. Could I use a slanket? And the answer in this book was, are you serious? Only if you regularly drink RC Cola and intend to use supermarket brand condoms. All of those jokes were horrible and in extremely poor taste. And I humbly and hereby apologize to the slanket people and slanket lovers everywhere. 
I'm even more offended. I didn't know that was in there. And now I hadn't bought your book before and I, I won't now for sure. It's on my subscription to your newsletter. This is where I, I get nervous about the sponsors listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, the, the book exists. The book has Snuggie in the title, but the slanket is the blanket I choose. And I think that says it all right there. Right. The fact that you when when it comes time to warm yourself up with a sleep blanket, you don't go to the Snuggie. No, I don't want that pilling fabric that makes my skin feel oogly and whatever i want the comforting right i want the comforting extremely warm fleecy confines of a slanket that itchiness by the way i don't want to start rumors but i'm pretty sure those things give you crabs (laughs) (laughs) snuggies you mean yeah yeah and what i've actually heard is that slankets cure crabs so stick that in your pipe and smoke it maybe not when you're wearing the slanket because it might be highly flammable i just don't know I'm sure most of your listeners, you know, might not know as they might not have one, but the, the Snuggie, I mean, that's just really an airline blanket. It's so airliney. Yes, it, it really is. I mean, I, when you put them side by side, there's no question that the fabric on the slanket is far fluffier. Now, this is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking but, of airlines, Jay, please. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because when you're on an airline, you're far more likely to see a slanket. Yes, I'm glad you picked up on my segue, Dave. I'm so good at this. <laughs> How so? Please explain further. Uh, One of the places that I am most often recognized for being the slanket model is on airlines when I'm flying because my picture is in SkyMall. That's really a lie. I'm not recognized on airplanes for being in SkyMall. I'm just mainly embarrassed when I'm flying with my family and my father insists on pointing out to everyone around us that I am in SkyMall. I've also done that to you, to be fair. Yes, you have. And you are not my father. Now, let me ask you this. Speaking of air travel and being recognized in Sky Mall, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one can hear those uh, sleigh bells both jingling and ring-ting tingling around this time of year. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, how do you, what do you guys do for the holidays? At Christmas time, do you, or do you travel? Do you go to family? Does family come to you? Or how do you celebrate? I wrap up in a nice warm slanket. <laughs> I'm originally from the East Coast and now living in Colorado just to be closer to Dave. I end up traveling back and forth between the East Coast and the mountains every other year to visit family. Where on the East Coast do you go? Massachusetts or, well, New Hampshire. Raised in Boston, my parents have since moved to New Hampshire. When you're home with family, is it like a... I mean, I'm such a – whatever the opposite of an expert is in Christmas is what I am. But is it is it a <laughs> religious celebration? Is it, do you carol? Are there stockings? Like, how does it go? Do you go wassling? <laughs> you wassle? Are you a wassler, Jay? Not much of a wassler. No. Uh, it's mainly a big family event, family affair, because everyone's there. My grandmother and my aunts and uncles and cousins and parents and uh, everyone but my sister who's in Arizona. But no, it's it's not so much of a, a religious affair with it is with my family in New Hampshire as it is here in Colorado. Uh, my wife's father is a pastor. And so here, you know, we, we go to church and we'll do a much more religious Christmas. When pastors die, do they refer to them as having been put out to pastor? Never mind. Um, I'm cutting that. Now, <laughs> when, uh, but so, okay. First of all, I just want to find out, Dave, do you say aunts too? No. Okay. I caught that too, though. No, I say aunts. Yeah, okay. We can still be friends then. That's good. Right. Do you do your meal, your Christmas dinner, I guess? Is it earlier or later than your Thanksgiving dinner? I think things have changed. We don't, I don't even know. And so <laughs> I don't remember eating. Yeah. By then I'm usually pretty drunk. I feel, it's a fasting <laughs> holiday for us. I feel like things have changed a lot since we've gotten older and gotten married and have kids and going back when the traditional Christmas with my parents, when I think about when we were children, I think they were on the 
probably the exact same time as Thanksgiving, but now it's probably it's later. What about you, Lex? <laughs> well, I'm a, a lonely Jew on Christmas time. And so we do every stereotypically Jewish thing there is to do on Christmas. We order kosher Chinese food and we go yes. to the movies and we stay at home and laugh at the Christians. <laughs> so it's pretty much just a typical day. A lonely Jew? You, you can't hang out with your own family on Christmas? You're just lonely? Well, no, we, we, we tend to get together with other Jews. I mean, so it's, it is definitely, it is a day. It's, it's a day it's, for Jew congregation. It's, it is. It's, uh, I mean, no, we really do. Like, uh, so often, wait, wait, wait. You, so what you're telling me is it's a day of Jewish togetherness. That's right. It's a day of togetherness, family and friendship and big, you know, hearty meals and join together. The, and I think the core difference is that there are no lights, no trees, no presents, and the food is all made and served by, uh, Asians. That's not, that different from my house do you often congregate with other jews or is it just on christmas oh we tend to avoid other jews no i, I guess yeah <laughs> we do we do i, I would our friend circle is far from limited to to jews but um it is exclusively jew based our our friend having stuff on christmas now <laughs> the so true weird. story is this is and dave i want to know about your christmas too but the truth <clears throat> is uh lauren my wife has an uncle uncle bob uh, to make the podcast be depressing for just 30 seconds or so, Uncle Bob's wife was not Jewish. Her, she was Aunt Barbara. Aunt Barbara suffered from breast cancer, breast cancer for years and years and eventually uh, died uh, a couple years back. But every year, Aunt Barbara, because she was Christian, Catholic even, hosted a big party for the whole Jewish family on Christmas Eve. So now Uncle Bob, who again is Jewish, hosts that same Christmas Eve party at his house every year. And it is what I would like to call the most depressing Christmas Eve party there is, uh, I think, anywhere in the world. Because it's also uh, the day that there that Bob and Lauren's dad's father's birthday was. So I don't know. At this point, he would be like 475 years old, but he's dead. So generally, there it's Christmas Eve, and there's a tree, and there's a gift exchange, and there's decorations all over the place. And people cry about Aunt Barbara, and they cry about uh, Grandpa Harry, and uh, toast them. And it is probably, I don't know, unless your family is incredibly dysfunctional, it's got to be the worst <laughs> Christmas Eve party that's that you can imagine. It's horrible. So it's like the Jewish Day of the Dead. <laughs> presents <laughs> yeah it's uh, that sounds like I mean, a great party yeah it's killer so then lex as a jew do you do the hanukkah celebration oh yeah we I mean hanukkah is just not a big deal on the jewish calendar i think the only reason it gets the attention it gets is because of its proximity to christmas and the fact and i think the only reason there are gifts on hanukkah are because of its proximity to christmas so for us i mean we light the menorah each night the kids get excited about it they get eight or nine or ten presents approximately one per night and we like you know we do the whole thing and we sing and dance but it's it's not really a holiday where the family gets together a lot like actually you know it was two weekends after the conclusion of hanukkah before my you know, local new jersey family got together just to exchange hanukkah presents because i don't know it's, it's not a very religious holiday at all there's there's not a whole lot of religious significance there so i don't see a lot of non-jews celebrating just saying i think everything i know about hanukkah i learned from adam sandler <laughs> yeah so pretty much we know that tom cruise isn't jewish that's what mm. we know so what, what i'm interested in your your celebration of hanukkah it's not strictly a religious thing you're you're not very religious no, I mean, so what's, what's I, your approach? Like your approach vector to the holidays? How does this my work approach for you? vector is this? So I started out 
I have to go back in time to answer that question more fully. But I started out, I grew up extremely observant. Like you notice a lot of things? Yes. You might say conservadox somewhere in there. That's a, a hybrid of conservative and orthodox. But I grew up very religious. We were at synagogue every Friday and every Saturday, often during the week as well. Uh, Hebrew school three days a week. You know, we were strictly kosher. I went to Brandeis University. I picked Brandeis University because it had at least 21 kosher meals per week, and they weren't in a, a different dining hall. They were in the main dining hall, which was very important to me. Then at Brandeis, I started wearing a yarmulke all the time. Like, I was super Jew. Let's be clear. If if there were a Jewish... <laughs> I, you know, there was a, a hilarious movie called The Hebrew Hammer. I was basically... I could have been his right-hand man. At some point during my college years, I... Uh, changed my mind about everything and i stopped wearing the yarmulke and uh a few i i i stopped going to synagogue or services and i i stopped believing i kept being kosher because i was hedging my bets uh sort of like ned flanders does <laughs> on the simpsons like flanders totally says that he keeps kosher just you know to be safe but uh, i i kept kosher too and then it wasn't until 2003 uh that i first ha- started eating non-kosher food uh, at all. And it wasn't until around 2004 that I first tasted bacon. So I'm really making up for a lot of lost bacon time. So anyway, <laughs> when it comes down to it, your question was, how do we celebrate Hanukkah? I mean, my kids know the the story of Hanukkah, I guess, as well as any Jewish American might know it who's not particularly observant. There's a the Maccabees and there's a mean king and the Maccabees fight him and they win and it's great. And it was the, the oil lasted longer than I thought, right, right? The oil lasted, it was supposed to be enough oil for one day, but it lasted for eight days. And so they could keep this special light lit above the ark. That's the one from Indiana Jones, which I've seen. <laughs> and um, so they were very excited. And so, okay. But so that's, that's the story of Hanukkah. But it's not, like I said, it's really not a very religious holiday. Um, we don't think about that stuff. What the kids like is they get to light the menorahs and they play with dreidels and they get gelt to eat and they get presents. And that's, that was really, even when I was super Jew, that was pretty much our appreciation of the holiday. And that remains my appreciation of the holiday now. So let me tell you the story of Christmas, please. Now that you've told us the story of Hanukkah. So what happened was that Jesus was born in a tree that was all lit up. And the three wise men showed up with gifts, but before they gave Jesus the gifts, they formed Voltron style into Santa Claus. I think the tree was on fire. Wasn't it the burning bush? Oh, yes. that's right. Aren't gold and frankincense and myrrh really shitty gifts for a newborn? Well, the, the gold, I mean, that could be useful later, but... Yeah, I think that was like a college fund. Right. That was, yeah, that was Jesus' trust fund. Frankincense and myrrh, those are what they're like incense, right? So I'm sure it was probably stinking in that manger. Were were those were those like real frankincense and real myrrh, or was it like the name of a folk duo that showed up to play for his birthday? Ladies and gentlemen, the acoustic stylings of frankincense and myrrh. I think that would be an awesome Christmas folk music band name, frankincense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> that's that's the acoustic rocker voice. Oh, okay. I so, Dave, what do you do for Christmas? I this is what I don't want you to say. I don't want you to say you sit at home by yourself and play music or video games or something. No, no, I love Christmas. And you know, it's funny that we're doing a Christmas special because we're we're both uh, pretty non-religious. I mean, when when you break it down, it's a Jew and an atheist doing a Christmas special. What sense does that make? Is this why I got invited? It's an atheist Jew and an atheist atheist yeah. doing the and then how would you classify yourself, Jay? Christian. Yeah, we're, and, he's he's our token Christian for this. Place. I mean, we couldn't do a, a Christmas episode with just the two of us. That's why we said he was the, the second best after Jesus. You are the second most Christian person we know after him. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. 
<laughs> no, I've, I'm a huge fan of Christmas. I'm a huge fan of Christmas because for many, many years dealing with, with uh, trying to come to terms with being an atheist, I was very uh, rebellious about the whole thing. Like, I hated Christmas and it's all crass commercialism, but maybe it's me growing up or, or maybe it's me uh, developing as a person. I just think it's great. Regardless of the, I mean, most of the, the, the big religions have some kind of holiday right around now where everybody's excited about stuff and not being dicks to each other. And I think that's cool. I don't really care why everybody's doing it, but it seems like everybody's trying to be cool and there's presents and there's lights and hanging out with people and food. And I just don't see what there is to hate about it. So wh- whom do you celebrate with? I have friends. I got peeps. <laughs> see, I mean, this, this year, uh, on, on Christmas, which is uh, today, for those of you listening, on Christmas. <laughs> and not today, if you're listening sometime that's not Christmas. Uh, I, have, I have friends coming over. I'm going to make dinner. It's going to be a, a celebratory, fun event. Probably play some video games and tell some inappropriate stories. That sounds great. How about yeah. a kazoo band? Um, that was Halloween. So that's only reserved for Halloween? There's be no Christmas kazoo band? Um, I don't, well, I don't know. Maybe. I'll look into it. If I can find kazoos between now and Christmas, sure. What bugs me about holiday celebrations right now at this stage of my adulthood, let's say, and this is truer, I think, for Thanksgiving. So I'll use Thanksgiving as my example, but we're relatively close to family. I mean, for us, my in-laws are 10 minutes from here. Oh, you mean in terms Um, of proximity, not in terms of emotional connection. And with many of our friends in the area, you know, their family is, you know, say it's New York or it's elsewhere in New Jersey, even if it's a drive, but you know, it's, it's a manageable travel. So Thanksgiving, everybody's obligated to go hang out with their family where I would love to do a friend's Thanksgiving where we could just have our friends come over and not be with the family. And then the extended family and the extended, extended family, all of which I find painful and, and not as fun as I would like my Thanksgiving to be. And I, I just, I feel like, and this is horrible, but I feel like until those, that family is dead, you're not allowed to have the friends Thanksgiving without having the family complain that they feel betrayed that you're abandoning them. And I want to have, I want to have a friend's Thanksgiving or in your cases, I want to have like a friend's Christmas. And it seems that those are virtually unattainable because of everybody else's family obligations. No, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. I hang out with my mom on Christmas and Thanksgiving, but that's about all the family I spend a lot of time with. What about gifts, Dave? Was there any, going back into your childhood, any gift that sticks out in your mind as, wow, that was, that's what Christmas means to me or um, the know, presents it, part of it? I, I hate to, to say the presents were a big part of it, but I remember growing up, you know, not a lot of money every year, whatever big thing I wanted for Christmas, my mom always got it for me. Like it was one year it was a super Nintendo, which I thought was completely impossible, but I really, really wanted it. She made that happen. Wow. I don't know how she, she worked extra hours or something. She, she always made sure that whatever the big thing I wanted was, I got it and sort of instilled in me the sense of if I really want something, I'll get it. And that's maybe a little, uh, consumerist, but to me it was just sort of the, the magic of the holiday was that's, that's when you could get the thing that would otherwise be completely unattainable. That's awesome. For me, the the big Hanukkah gift that I wanted so desperately, and I can remember exactly what it looks like to this day, was this ridiculously oversized black digital watch and what <laughs> with a, with a big orange button on it because this watch had an added ability this is ridiculous in today's age but you if you push the button it would record for up to i can't remember if it was 30 or 60 seconds of audio and then you could play back that one recorded snippet of audio and i i lusted after that watch when i saw it i think <laughs> in the 
Hammock or Schlemmer catalog, maybe. I just, I wanted that thing so bad. And my parents got it for me. And eventually it died. And they said, we're going to send it back and get a replacement. And then months later, I remembered, hey, whatever happened to that? And my mom said, well, you know, they were recalled. They, they didn't work. They gave us a refund. We told you that. But they definitely didn't tell me that because if they had told me that, even then I would have been like, okay, they gave you a refund. Let's get me a new present with that watch <laughs> money, which never happened. But man, when I had that watch, probably about four or five months, I loved that thing. I mostly used it inappropriately. I mean, inappropriately for however old I was <laughs> in the sense of recording in a room where you weren't supposed to then play back and make noise. So, you know, it's at synagogue, let's say playing back whatever the rabbi had just said. 30 seconds ago, playing it back again. It was great. I loved that watch. Maybe that's why it quote unquote broke and your parents had to send it back. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's the same place where dogs go when the parents don't want them. When, when I'm sorry, when the dog dies. <laughs> so you're telling us that your parents gave you a gift. It broke. They sent it back. They got a refund and then you got nothing. I mean, the truth is I got, you got at, fucked is what you got. I got at least eight gifts every Hanukkah and my parents have always been and remain very generous gift givers. So that wasn't the only present, but that's the one that I remember. That's the one that I loved. And I still, I have very positive memories of the watch, even though I eventually lost it and got no makeup. That's sad. Don't shed any tears for me. You got makeup? Yeah, I did. I got lipstick one year. <laughs> no. How about you, Jay? I would think that the... Like looking back on childhood gifts, the one that probably shaped me the most as a person was when I got a skateboard. I think it was right after Back to the Future came out and the whole hoverboard thing. I really wanted a skateboard. Oh, yeah. And I got a skateboard and that was just awesome. And from that day on, I skated for the rest of my life. Really? Are you skating right now? In a slanket, I am skating right now. This is a McTwist on a half pipe. That's actually really interesting. You know, we had two skateboards that were short of, sort of shared between me and my sisters. And they both were terrified of them. So I would ride them around. Uh, Did you hit them with the skateboards? <laughs> I don't know. And I, But I mean, I didn't ride them around like skateboarders who skateboard think of it. You know, I did the very kid-like one foot kicking and sort of riding along at low speeds. And we had one neighbor who had this incredibly steep driveway, like ridiculously steep hill driveway. And that's the one that you would ride your bikes down if you knew how to ride your bike, which I don't. And that's what I would skateboard down. And then... One day I was out with my buddy Neil and I'm going down their driveway and the skateboard hits the curb and I fly and I face plant. And when I look up, I'm like, Neil, am I okay? And he says, no, your face is covered in blood. And I said, ha ha ha. And he said, no, really? So then we walk back home and my mom sees me and freaks out and my face was covered in blood. And I, it, it looked like I had been the victim of a very, very, or, or the loser, I guess, in a very, very brutal fight. And finally, after weeks, my face heals up and they finally give me permission to skateboard again. I go right back to that driveway because I'm getting right back on the horse and i did exactly the same thing my very first time down and then i wasn't allowed to use the skateboard anymore good for you true story i'm gonna have to cut out me saying this but that's gotta be the jewiest story <laughs> it's true also true. just once just once can we do a show where somebody's face isn't covered in blood if we have to i mean maybe that should be our new year's resolution <laughs> right. no more disgusting shows in 2013 I once gave my mom a slanket as a gift, and this was before they were commercially available. So it was. And did she get what it was? Did she enjoy it? Well, so this is before they were commercially available. So no one knew what a slanket was. So I just sent it to her for, for Christmas, and it showed up she in a box. It was a bathroom. No fancy label, no instructions, no anything. And she <laughs> put her legs through the armholes <laughs> and wrapped the rest of it around. <laughs> 
found her and uh, uh. then called me on the phone and asked what it was I had sent her. <laughs> so she was actually just for those of you with the Snuggie Sutra at home, page 16, the dog sled. <laughs> she was essentially. <laughs> that's that's our guest's mom. <laughs> Actually, I'm sorry. More like page 17, the cuddly puppy. That's another one to check. Just, just throwing that out there. I've got no comment. Now, I feel like if you got the... <laughs> she put her legs through. I'm still amused by that. I feel like if you got a slanket in the mail and had no one, no idea what it was, that you would have to assume it was a bathrobe. So I'm I'm really amused by the leg thing. Uh, is there photographic evidence of your mom in the slanket upside down? I don't have any evidence, and I really hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> No, Which I, she just, will. I just, I mean, I'm assuming, oh, okay. you know, well, uh, I'm not assuming anything scandalous about it. I just think it sounds hilarious. Oh, yes. I just think that's, you know, when the slanket is born into this world and someone sees it for the first time and they have no preconceived notions of what to do with this blanket with extra appendages. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, that's it. Sure. Now, let me ask you this. When your mom listens to this episode and then talks to you, she's not going to say, I can't believe you told that slanket story. She's going to say, I can't believe you're on a show with two godless heathens, right? <laughs> no, she's going to be much more upset that I told the slanket story. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, Jay's mom. Uh, now, tell me, you didn't know Dave. You, you, you are the, you're friends with the men behind, or the people, I should say, behind the slanket. You're modeling the slanket. And now at some point you and Dave become neighbors. How did you meet? How did the, the relationship here develop? Now you're interviewing both of us. I'm curious. I, I don't know how you guys are connected because I don't know any of my neighbors. Oh, I really? love this story. I love, I love the story of Dave and Jay. <laughs> it's such a long story. It is. I mean, we've, it's a difficult time. story to tell. We've been friends, neighbors, <laughs> business partners. What else? Lovers. Our dogs are brother and sister. That's true. <laughs> What came, what came first? Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like I just went next door and said, hey, let's hang out. No. You did ask, though. If it, He asked my permission to move next door. Well, I didn't want to be that guy. Hey, I moved in next door. Let's hang out. Yeah. No, Dave and I met at a bar over whiskey. No, we met at a... It wasn't a bar, but it was, it was a, like a local tech event thing. And somewhere along the way in there, we were both fairly drunk, I think. And somebody had presented about... Uh, social network for location. I think it was bright kite. I made the joke that, you know, we've got, where are you? We've got, what are you doing for Twitter? What we needed was a social network for what are you wearing? So we have to say it in that creepy voice. Like, what are you wearing? Yeah. And that was funny until we decided to turn that into a real thing. I guess it's still funny even after that. Speaking of what we're wearing, I I have to ask you both something right now. I, first of all, let me say that the t-shirt that I'm wearing at the moment, I bought, what the uh, fuck? Where's this going? No, I bought this at a Target, and I bought it probably more than a year or two ago. It has nothing to do with recent news. But I feel like the shirt has sexual overtones, and I want to know if you agree. I shouldn't have said that. I should have put, put you in blind, but there it is. The shirt features Elmo. It's a giant picture of Elmo. Elmo, in this picture, for whatever reason, has, whether it's fake or real, I can't say, but he has a, a large, twirly french style mustache and he's he's twirling part of his mustache in his fingers this is a sesame (laughs) street branded shirt okay and here's what it says this might tickle just saying (laughs) (laughs) wow um well Tell me what you take. Like, is it just, hey, I'm Elmo and I tickle people because I'm a tickling kind of guy? No, is that it, sounds like he's going to. Um, I didn't think he was old enough to have a mustache. Isn't Elmo supposed to be young? 
Right. He's three in theory. He's ageless. How long has he been three? But I, I, I just, years? I feel like the shirts make, like, I, I literally wore this shirt to Sesame Place, the Sesame-themed theme park in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. You go there often? And we had season passes this past year. Um, and this guy who worked there. You're creeping looks, me out, Lex. He looks, well, I went with my three young children. But this guy who works well, there looks in my shirt. And he's like, he's like really that shirt oh man but i'm like it's a sesame it's an official sesame street shirt it's got their logo in the tag and it's like sesame workshop and but i i feel like most horrible people who read it would like me think that it has some kind of creepy sexual thing going and i want to know if i'm alone in that i want to know how we got here from me and jay meeting because you talked about you had a site called what are you wearing and i just it made me think about what i'm wearing oh no it wasn't called what are you wearing it was it was a, a much worse name than that it was just the, that was the question. That was the question that the site posed to its users. What are I you see. wearing? But yes, Lex, it's just you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine by me. And how did that site do, by the way? I don't know. Were we bought by Twitter or Facebook or anybody? I don't think so. We did. We got bought by somebody. We did get bought up by somebody, which is the company that I currently work for. Dave and I have had many ups and downs. We've, we've like I said, we've been friends and neighbors and all that. And there was a time where I think this is the the time where Dave and I had our largest struggle or my struggle with Dave was when we decided. To go work for Double Encore, the company that bought Dave and I, the company that ran Code Hanger, uh, and then Dave decided let's, to leave. Let's point that out. Let's point that out. Point the out. name of the the what are you wearing site? Code Hanger. Code Hanger. No That's e. Pretty... Code Hang R. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Because like anyway. Flickr was hot at the time, right? <laughs> it was yeah. all about it was all about getting rid of vowels. You know what? And Flickr's back, so maybe we should do Code Hanger round two. We should, yeah, we should. We should bring it back. It's a good idea. And you were, you were saying, though, that uh, when I left? Yeah, that was the time that I think Dave and I struggled the most as, as friends. It was a, That was a weird thing because we had gone through this whole thing together and it just, you know, for one reason or another, wasn't really working for me. And I wanted to go try something else. And that was uh, like, I think that if not for you being there, it might have been an easier decision to make. But it definitely wasn't an easy decision. Yeah, and it was tough. I, I, I think I was kind of against it i thought you weren't trying or could put more work into it or something but eventually you know we came to terms we're, we're still friends even better friends i would say i feel like you're trying to make me play the role of therapist that i'm not up to it. <laughs> well you're not giving us any really good advice how did that make you feel they have therapy for couples they don't really have therapy like for neighbors although back to christmas presents dave did give me a really great christmas present what was it like two years ago yeah two or three years ago you know, no it was three years it, was three it years. can't be three years you know what i'm talking about yeah i know exactly it was three years oh so Dave gave Say me what it a was. one gallon bottle of Tabasco. How much is left? One Turns gallon. out that stuff doesn't go as fast as you think. <laughs> and I, I use it a lot. But yeah, yeah, I have a lot of Tabasco left. But my favorite part about it is that it was, you know, there's a personalized label on the back from the president of the McKinley Corporation. And it just says that this bottle of Tabasco is sent to be the private reserve stock of Jay Graves, and it's got my name written in calligraphy. It's great. Now, one thing that uh, the two of you have in common, and this is where I think Christmas Our has Jewishness? become different for you recently, Jay, is you have you have a kid now. Yes, my daughter is two years old. And being parent, I, I'm not a parent. That's a parent. That I know of. I have no idea how much that changes things, but I have to imagine it's got to be pretty dramatic. I think it's really funny because it becomes less about you and your relationship with your family, your partner, wife, and more 
what to do for your your child. And even though Madeline's, she's going to be two, or she is two now, and this is her second Christmas, but her first Christmas, she was all of three weeks old. So there was not a lot of fanfare. But this year, you know, Santa Claus is a big deal, and, and it's really cute. Obviously, I don't have the, the, well, I have the Santa element from a different perspective. But yeah, I mean, you're right, Dave. It's for us, uh, we we really just think about how the, how the, what the we want the holidays to be right for the kids we want them to care about it you know it's it's funny because even into uh, into our adulthood when we were married we still made sure that lauren and i each had eight gifts to open so that we could open at least one a night on hanukkah or whatever and we just you realize almost as soon as you have kids we just totally stopped caring about that what we cared about were you know what are the kids going to have and like literally this year on the eighth night of hanukkah or that day we realized that the last gift we had for sierra was a bracelet that her sister had made for her and she was going to like that bracelet but sierra's you know, she just turned four and she's really into toys. And the fact that this wasn't a thing that she could start playing with that night was going to be a problem. So Lauren goes to Target and bought like a $4, I don't know, uh, uh, the littlest pet shop pet that she could give to Anya so that Anya would have an extra present to, or I'm sorry, to give to Sierra so that Sierra would have an extra toy to play with that night. From the pet shop? It's called the littlest pet shop pet. It's a toy. You'll, oh, oh. It's a toy. But, um, it's a it's a weird wobbly pet looking toy. But Does anyway, it have a pedophile mustache on it? Yes, at Lake Elmo. <laughs> and we um but yeah, no, you're exactly right. The holidays for us we're just focusing on how are they going how are we going to get the most out of them for them? Yeah. I will say though that Santa Claus presents a big freaking problem for me. Um because I'm not going to lie to Anya if she asks about him which she has and she wants to know about Santa, you know, I tell her, well, that's you know, Christian boys and girls believe that he's going to come and deliver presents. And oh, no, that, no, no, no. That's bullshit. That has nothing to do with Christianity. Santa's for everybody, sir. No, he is not. You can have Santa, too. I'm giving I'm giving you Santa. No. And she wants to know, is Santa real? And I tell her, no, Santa is not real. But I told her that she is sworn to secret. She can't tell any of her friends. And Anya, I know I can trust. Anya does not tell any of her friends that he's not real, that he's not real. And she she listens when they talk about him and smiles sweetly and nods. But I'm not going to lie to her about Santa doesn't serve me any purpose. He doesn't come to our house, doesn't bring any presents. Santa hates you, Anya, because you're a Jew. That's the message you want me to give her. I can't do that. <laughs> no, no. I, I want you to give her the message that uh, Santa isn't a Christian thing. Santa can be for everybody. And maybe maybe on Christmas morning, nothing to do with Jesus. She'll get something then, too. <laughs> Who invented Santa? Wasn't it the Swedes or Santa Claus? Germans? Um, I don't know. I know the, the Dutch definitely. Yeah, the shoes, cool right? You put, you put presents in shoes. Glenn Fleischman is screaming at his podcast player right now to try to explain to us the history of <laughs> Sinterklaas and the Dutch and that whole thing. Oh. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't even happened yet. Uh, but December is like the perfect storm for me as a husband and a father. My my wife's birthday is Christmas Eve, and then there's Christmas. My daughter's birthday is December third, and then there's Christmas. So I have all of two women, two birthdays, Christmas, all in one month. And your wife must deal with that different present situation where some people give the combo, and you try to make sure you're not doing the combo. How does that play out? Well, this year we've decided not to do Christmas presents, so it just means I only have to focus. What? On- you, oh, you just mean for each other? Yes. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> I was going to call Child Protective Services. <laughs> I am absolutely certain that Jay's daughter is in no risk of not getting presents. Well, that's great because we just had her birthday and half of the presents that she didn't open up on her birthday were just putting back under the tree so she can open them on Christmas. Because <laughs> she doesn't know better. You can do that for now. We have that same thing. When the kids get so many presents on their birthdays at the birthday party or whatever, they can't, 
it's stupid to have them open them all because they won't really use any of them. They'll just be so spread out. It's it's goofy. So we we hold some back. Even maybe we'll let them open them all, but then we hold them back after they're open, hide them again, so that they can just enjoy a few at a time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're we're definitely not above re giving them a present if it's close enough to another holiday. Yeah. So I love Dave's uh, online and podcast persona as like the single guy with no kids, or, or it's almost like I mean, it's not that you come across that you don't like kids, but it kind of does a little bit. But the thing is, he's just like. So sweet with Madeline and my daughter. He gets along with her and he's always asking her for hugs and for kisses and bringing her stuff and high fives. And that kid is awesome. See, you're melting. I don't, I don't like kids. Madeline just happens to be really cool. Is is she the one in the picture where you talk about like extremely noisy toys that you got for her, like Mm -hmm. drum set or something? Yeah. We were just drumming a few minutes ago. (laughs) I see. I don't care about musical instruments that people give my kids. I hate when people give them the extremely loud electronic toys. Like if you get my kid an electronic toy guitar, I'm just going to throw that thing away because they're they're so noisy. Well, my philosophy here is that if I was going to give Madeline an instrument of any kind, it had to be something that she could use now didn't matter dramatically if it broke anytime soon uh but would be a real instrument not just you know you push some buttons and it acts like a guitar which is what i gave her <laughs> which is fine well you're not a musician i feel like i've got this like if, if somebody's going to be around a teacher about how to do make music then then that might have to be me and i should do that right i'm trying to be responsible jay that's i'm sure everyone loves it but my downstairs neighbor <laughs> did you get any more angry notes no we have not she's been really great well, did good. you get one angry note? We did. About the drums? No, this was before the drums. She had a, a friend over and they were jumping a little too much. <laughs> we live, you know, Dave and I live downtown Denver in a one bedroom loft not together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say that. There have been plenty of times when, when like Jay and I together will be out with our dogs, which are matching dogs. Uh, more recently with the baby in a stroller. So there's Jay and I. Walking downtown with our matching dogs, the baby in the stroller, and we'll talk to people and we'll say things like when we get back to our place, because <laughs> it makes it really hard to pick up women when you're out with your with your gay lover. I don't know, I don't know if that's true. I actually will vehemently disagree now. Do you have a lot of experience with this? Well, I'm just I, uh, movies. If movies have taught me anything, Dave, it's that if you pretend to be gay, <laughs> what, name one movie you've ever seen uh, in the first Indiana Jones and the second Indiana Jones. You can't even name them. Okay, hang on. Yes, I can. It is Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, and it's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wait, have um, you seen Back to the Future? I've seen the whole... Uh, Back to the Future is like one of my favorites. Okay. I've seen the entire trilogy. But so I'm just saying that... Uh, when he says that's one of his favorites, he means of the Back to the Future series. <laughs> you can... If you convince the woman that you're gay, then she gets naked in front of you. And then you can surprise her and say, guess what? I'm actually straight. And she's like so beguiled by your charm that now she wants to do you. I think Adam that's Sandler a- was in that movie, too. That's a fabrication. It doesn't work that way. No. Well, then don't do it. Never mind. Stop no. walking the dog with Jay, which is a euphemism, by the <laughs> way. Well, it is now. It's not only that. I mean, they're small dogs, too. These aren't, you know, German shepherds we're out walking. They're Italian greyhounds. They're quite <laughs> yeah. petite. Mine's the smaller of the two. With the pink collar. Yep. Well, pink with spikes. Can I, can I crack another beer? I'm ready for another beer. Crack a beer. Do you here have you to go. drive home, Jay? He works a block from here. I'm worried about you. I talk about my my bubble. I live three blocks from the office, and I really don't get it outside of within a four or five block radius of all that. So your Christmas, Jay, as a as a religious Christian person, do you, is church involved in the day? Absolutely. Well, in Christmas Eve mainly is kind of the bigger service. That's where you go the the night 
of Christmas Eve, and there's a lot more singing and caroling in the big tree and all that, and the you know dark lights and candles. Oh, holy night! Come, all ye faithful, all the good songs that Dave loves, even the Jesusy ones. I do love even the Jesusy ones. I still enjoy. I embrace everything about Christmas. Uh, people who follow me on Twitter know that the Christmas Carol that has been haunting my dreams this holiday season is Paul McCartney's "Wonderful Christmas Time." That's why you were singing it when you started the Skype call. I can't stop hearing it. He he performed it on Saturday Night Live, uh, and it has been echoing. And I really don't know it, but it's been echoing in my head ever since. And you know the the verses in that song are terrible. I truly don't know the words, but the verses are like da 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 da. Simply have okay. So my brain is just taking any words that fit the verse pattern and just putting them in. So it's mostly that that crappy couple of syllables per line situation is children's books. So like I'm hearing Sandra Boyton's uh, uh, pajama time book. Like the moon is up, it's getting late. Let's get ready to celebrate. Simply have. You just doomed me. Thank you, Lex. It's, you're welcome. And it's, I mean, I can't stop hearing it. And now, Merry Christmas to all of you. You too can think about wonderful Christmas time. Do you have, do you have carols that you hate? I don't think so. I don't think so. Besides either. wonderful Christmas time. I discovered a couple of years ago when I first started embracing Christmas more, I, I bought a bunch of Christmas music and I bought a Christmas album by a band called Reliant K. And it was just, it was on iTunes, like maybe it was recommended or, or it was part of a compilation that I bought. And I, I, I felt like I discovered something. I was really excited about this band and slightly less so when I found out they were a Christian band. But I decided <laughs> that I could still listen to that record at Christmas time and love the hell so out of it. So you were upset that they were a Christian band that had a Christmas <laughs> album or just that they were a Christian band in general? That you wouldn't like them outside of their Christmas music? Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy their music uh like they're, I wanted to celebrate their entire catalog, but it turns out they were a Christian band. And well, two strikes. One is they're a Christian band, and two, they're a Christian punk band. It's like, how punk can you be if you're Christian? Well, no, I just don't really like the punk music. <laughs> you you mentioned punk. this term, though. You said before I was, you know, embracing Christmas, and I feel like that could be a really filthy Christian themed porn movie. Embracing Christmas. Yes. Mm. Sounds too tame. <laughs> But here's the thing. Christmas is the name of a dog. But back to music. <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole. Before that, back to music. So, I, Dave, I can't remember if you like them or not, or him, but Sufjan Stevens has like two Christmas box sets out. Do you? Are you into that? Is that how you say his name? I'm saying that that way because that's what I've been told you're supposed to say. I just call him Sufjan Stevens. Nevin Mergan on Twitter once <laughs> made a joke about Surf Jam Stevens. So that's how I read it every time I see it. Mm. I have no idea how you actually pronounce it out Apparently loud. it's Sufjan. Sufjan. I'm still saying Surf Jam. And I say Sufjan. Potato, potato, Sufjan. But anyway, his Christmas albums are really good. I would not be able to recognize him or his music in a lineup. Uh, well, I will say, if you look at one picture of him, I think he'll be ready for the lineup, because the picture of Sufyan here on Wikipedia, since I have no idea who he is, he's kind of wearing like a glow-in-the-dark Technicolor unitard, from what I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Which may well be the name of his album, for all I know. Man, and this guy's a show-off, too. Besides the fact that he plays indie folk, baroque pop, indie pop, and electronica, Wikipedia says he does vocals, guitar, bass guitar, banjo, piano, xylophone, vibraphone, English horn, oboe, drums, recorder, and theremin. That's somebody's, you know, overcompensating. I'm that's a, that's that's an average day at my house. <laughs> and his, his labels, his labels all sound like rejected band names. <laughs> his labels, Asthmatic Kitty, 
Sounds familiar and Orchard. I don't know. I love this guy and I've never heard anything he's sung. I'm really trying not to spit out my beer right now listening to you <laughs> recite Wikipedia. I'm not sure what we're talking about anymore. Oh, uh, Christmas music. That's what we were talking about. No, I've never heard his Christmas albums. It's worth it. Good? Yep. Latest yeah. one is Silver and Gold. <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Golden, also has a Christmas album out. With John Roderick. Yeah. Oh, can I tell the story? You- I want to tell the story. Okay. It's not Christmas related, but it's Jonathan Colton related. And I know you've already had like Jonathan Colton on the show and mentioned him in other episodes, but Dave did not bring up my favorite Jonathan Colton story. Hang on, when... let me call him on my iPhone real quick since I have his number and we'll conference yeah. him in. Favorite. He, Jay has an even better Jonathan Colton in the bathroom story than I do. Oh my God. We've this, this is, we want unprofessional to be the definitive podcast for hearing stories about Jonathan Colton in the bathroom. So bring it on Jay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, listeners, if you have a Jonathan Colton in the bathroom <laughs> story, please. <laughs> Uh, write to us at P.O. Box. Now we have an Are email address, right? Unprofessional, oh, yeah. Uh, at- yeah. Unprofessional at MuleRadio.net. We've never given that out. You no. know what we should do, Jay, before you tell this story, we should take a moment to thank our sponsors. This magical Christmas episode of Unprofessional is brought to you by The Slanket. The Slanket is the original blanket with sleeves. It is so warm and comfortable and cozy. I, as I'm sitting here right now, I don't even want to get up from my chair. I just want to die sitting here. <laughs> so... Perfect for the suicidal and the cold alike. <laughs> if if you're chilly and and thinking, well, my suggestion is if you're going to get cozy in a slanket, you should get some snacks and maybe make sure that either you've gone to the bathroom recently or get an adult diaper. Because you're not going to want to move. You're going to want right. to stay cuddled warm in that sleeved blanket. It is so comfortable. And it's so warm. And for this very special, magical Christmas episode of Unprofessional we have not one but two sponsors. And our second sponsor is Sketch Party TV. Uh, Sketch Party TV. And the URL you want to go to is sketchparty.tv slash DL. That's like uh, Donatello Leonardo. So sketchparty.tv slash DL. You go to DL. Ninja Turtles? That's what else are you going to do? I don't know. Um, Download? Here's the game. All right. That's fine, too. But Sketch Party TV is essentially it's a, a Pictionary-style game. That you play on your iPad or iPhone. You're going to want it on your iPad, but it's, it's a universal app. And it works in tandem with your Apple TV. So you divide up into teams. You can have up to 16 different players. You use the iPad as the controller. You airplay it to the Apple TV. So on the iPad, you'll see, you know, here's what you're supposed to draw. But they don't show that on the TV. And it just shows the drawing as you're creating it. So it's kind of win, lose, or draw. It's Pictionary. It's all those games. And it's, um, it is a, it's a party game. Um, you it's know, a really novel use of the airplay stuff. Exactly. It's, it's very clever. And this, you know, actually, I would say that Sketch Party TV in some ways is, it, it's the slanket because there are now a couple other apps that are trying to emulate what, what these guys are doing. It's, it's Magnate Interactive is the name of the company. Um, but, you know, Sketch Party is, is not just first, but like slanket, also the best at this because I've tried them all now. Um, but you can, you know, you do the drawings on the screen. It goes back and forth. There's multiple rounds. The developer, this guy, Matt Braun, is extremely responsive. You know, before I was, before he had arranged to sponsor the show, I had been talking to him a little bit and, you know, he's really good at integrating feature requests, figuring out the right way to do things. Once you've got your finished drawing, you can share it uh, on Twitter or email it out. And it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I I don't know if you guys are into board games and party games, that sort of thing. That's we're we're, you know, old parents and that's what we do. And, uh, it has proven to be a, a very amusing game. It's kind of like draw something only without the, the, the misery that draw something was because draw things started to feel like a chore and an obligation, but this is, you know, only in the moment while you're playing it, it's happening in real time and it's right there. And the, the Apple TV integrations hit. 
I think that's really cool. I tested it out because they gave us uh, promo codes. So I, I tried it out with uh, my dog. And um, she wasn't very good at it, but we enjoyed ourselves. And, uh, you know, uh, for, for the listeners, I think that these two sponsors tie together pretty well. And especially for this episode, I think that if you're listening to this show on Christmas, early Christmas morning and, and dinner's cooking or something like that, or maybe you're just listening over the holiday break, what you should do, because people get iPhones, iPads, iPad minis, all these things for Christmas, or our listeners are more likely to give them probably for Christmas. This is a great way you can you can get your, your slanket, you can get all nice and cozy, you and your family wrapped up in your slankets, playing this game on your iPhones or iPads with your Apple TV. And there's your holiday magic right there. And now you've created a new Christmas tradition. So the slanket is obviously theslanket.com. You can also go to slanket.com. And then Sketch Party TV is sketchparty.tv slash DL for download or for Dublin Liquor, whatever you want to abbreviate it as. Or Dave and Lex. (laughs) Without the and, just Dave Lex. Dave Lex. Now, I believe in exchange for having listened to and hopefully responded to those you know, sponsorship messages. And well, there's, also, there's, there's one final sponsorship w- message that we should share that we, we always forget to share. Right. The one where we encourage you to, to rush to iTunes and, and rate us on iTunes and write a review too, because people love those to go to twitter.com slash unprofesh or to facebook.com slash unprofesh and follow us or love us in all those places. Yeah. Help, uh, help warm Lex's heart this Christmas. That's right. I need a Christmas miracle. But so since since you've now listened patiently to those those you know entreaties, and since you're going to follow through on all of them, Jay will pay you back with this incredible Jonathan Colton bathroom story. No pressure, Jay. <laughs> it sounds like we're editing this in. No pressure. So this is, I can't remember, maybe five or six <laughs> years ago. I can't remember the story now. <laughs> no, I just can't remember the, the time frame. I think it was five or six years ago. It was fuzzy. I was at South by Southwest, which becomes fuzzy. And I'm at the Jonathan Colton show at South by Southwest. And I go into the restroom. I can't, again, I can't remember if this is, I think it's after the show. And I'm at the urinal standing there. Probably not during. Not, not during. It was before or after. I think it was after. And I'm at the urinal and someone, you know, pulls up next to me and I glance over and there's a bearded fellow there that is Jonathan Colton. Okay. Did you talk to him? I did. did you talk to him I did not talk to him. I knew, I knew immediately that that was Jonathan Colton. I was like... I'm not going to talk to Jonathan Colton at the urinal. So how's it going? <laughs> not going to be that guy. So hey, it's urination time, eh, Jonathan? <laughs> so you know, wash my hands, leave the bathroom, and of course, I wait for him outside the bathroom. <laughs> That's less creepy. Yes. And I was at this time. I don't think I was a huge Jonathan Colton fan. Dave, I knew was, and had introduced me. And I have slowly become more more of a fan. But I knew Dave was a really big fan. And we were at the time doing the social network for fashion coat hanger. And I had this great idea that when Jonathan would come out of the bathroom, I would get him to pose for a picture and I would take his photograph and post it on coat hanger about and say something <laughs> about his clothes. Oh God. And so I'm waiting there outside the bathroom and he comes out and I, you know, muster up the fortitude or whatever to, inter- <laughs> to, to attack, you know, someone as they come out of the bathroom and say, hi, I'm a super huge fanboy And, Please let me take your picture and post it on my social network for fashion. He was probably just glad you didn't take the picture at the urinal. <laughs> but he was very gracious and he came out and I introduced myself and said I was a big fan. But my And I had a business partner and we were doing this coat hanger thing. And I think I, the quote was, I said, uh, Dave is going to shit himself if I post this picture of you on coat hanger. 
because Dave was not at South by Southwest. It was just me. And so I did. I posted the picture that night on Coat Hanger and sent Dave a text like, you got to go check this out. And I don't remember what your reaction was. Uh, I don't think I shit myself. No. <laughs> you huh. lied to Jonathan Colton. That's the story. The two I didn't read is I'm sorry, Jonathan. Jay I, lies. I tried. I thought he would. And that is wow. my Jonathan Colton bathroom story. <laughs> it is a good one. Everybody needs one. I'm going to make it happen the next time I see it. Don't you worry. If it has to be the time I pissed all over Jonathan Colton, well, whatever it takes. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. You've always got to one-up me. <laughs> like, oh, you guys saw Jonathan Colton in the bathroom. Well, I pissed on him. <laughs> I would never piss Merry on Jonathan Merry Christmas. Colton. By the way, I do want to say, if you haven't yet, it's it's worth checking out his, his new Christmas album, especially today of all days. But one Christmas at a time, it's... It's very good. I will admit, I mean, I love Jonathan Colton. I will admit there are a couple tracks on there that aren't my favorites that may, maybe only got three stars in iTunes, but the, the whole of the album is, is very enjoyable. He's not a sponsor. Do you guys have favorite Christmas movies? Like everyone watches certain, what's the, you know, A Wonderful Life is, you know, the, the typical one, but Lex, you don't, they, do they make Hanukkah movies? Do they have those? No, there's not really Hanukkah. I mean, no, nothing good. I would say Die Hard if I'd ever seen it, but I haven't. Um... So for me, a favorite Christmas movie, Elf. Gotta watch Elf. I I do like Elf a lot. Elf is a very good one. Elf Elf is great, except if you uh, if you just skip the first twenty minutes, it's a movie about people taking advantage of a mentally challenged man. Think about it. The other one that I have to watch every year for Christmas is a Charlie Brown Kwanzaa. <laughs> I I don't like um, Christmas Vacation. It's my least favorite vacation. Movie. Oh, that is my ultimate love. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, now I, I mean, slanket, snuggy, Christmas vacation. You don't like that? I think we're going to have like fisticuffs. If I could strangle someone through the microphone. Uh, the only other movie I would mention as a potential good one for Christmas is When Harry Met Sally. It's not exactly a Christmas movie, but it's fun to watch whenever, and Christmas is as good a time as any. Uh, I can see that though. It has that sort of. Well, no, no, it, it's sort of because they the scene at the uh, New Year's party. Nope, I'm changing my answer. I got it. I'm going with Love Actually. Love Actually is my holiday Christmas movie. Is that the one where that? someone like? Almost dies on train tracks or something? No. Love Actually is a Hugh Grant movie. Uh, um, it's made by all the people who made Notting Hill. It's uh, It tells like 12 storylines at once. It's got Liam Neeson in it and uh, Hugh and Kieran Knightley, which is the reason to see it. It's got Rick from The Walking Dead. Do you guys watch The Walking Dead? No. Until the little okay. girl got shot coming out of the barn. Okay. Spoilers. Oh, you stopped watching because of that? Oh, no, man. I didn't stop watching because of that. I have, a, I have this thing where I tend to watch... HBO or Cinemax or whoever makes these shows up until like this climactic point, And then I get distracted and something else happened. Wait a minute. So Lex, you're telling us about a movie that you've seen and we haven't. It's a great movie. Okay. It's a and Christmas it's, miracle. Is this a Christmas romantic comedy? Yes. Then I'm sure my wife has made me watch it. For listeners who know <laughs> the walking dead, Rick is in love actually. And you won't, it turns out that Rick is actually a, a British dude. And he's also in the walking dead. He's gaunt. And in, uh, in love, actually he's kind of plump and it's, it's, um, it took us a while to recognize who it was and it blew our minds. But anyway, it's hilarious. There's a lot of nudity in it, Dave. So you'll enjoy it. And oh, uh, it's very funny criteria for me. Yeah, You should watch it on right. an airplane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's very Christmassy and it's good. Two thumbs right. up. <laughs> Oh, I liked, um, what's the Tim Burton? Baby's Big Adventure. It's more Halloween-y or Christmas Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's good. Did you say Tim Burton? Yeah. Okay. What do you think I said? When you said Tim Burton, I thought you said... Um, uh, Michael Bay. 
No, no, the the, the Tim who's in uh, uh, Tim Robbins. I thought no, not Tim Robbins. Tony Robbins. I keep thinking about it. Tim Cook. No, the Tim from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. I thought you said Tim Curry. I heard Tim Curry when he didn't, <laughs> and I was like, he is definitely not in that. I could see the Rocky Horror Picture Show Nightmare Before Christmas mashup. <laughs> <laughs> That would be uh, that'd be a movie. Sounds like the kind of movie I'd watch curled up in my blanket. We have we have a tradition every year on Christmas. We, me and my friends, my mom, will all go out to a movie Christmas night. We made the mistake. I forget which happened first, which one came out first. But one year we went uh, Christmas Day. We saw I Am Legend with Will Smith, and we were excited because you know it's Will Smith, and we thought it was going to be a good movie. We thought it was going to be like a science fictiony sort of thing, and it turned out to be incredibly depressing. And I think, I can't remember if that one was first or, or if Seven Pounds was first, but we also saw Seven Pounds on Christmas Day, which was also incredibly depressing. We learned that from now on, we will never see a Will Smith movie on Christmas ever again. Right. Will Smith ruined Christmas. That's really funny because my, I mentioned my wife's father, the pastor, they also will watch movies on Christmas Day you know, after the whole festivities and that will sit down and watch a movie. And he always picks the most depressing movies to watch on Christmas. Like, I think... <laughs> Three or four years ago, when it was one of my, well, I guess that would be like six or seven, anyway, we watched Schindler's List on Christmas. 